0: You're listening to a sermon preached at Redeeming Life Church. Well, church, I did not walk in here this morning convicted about my dental hygiene, but the Holy Spirit works in mysterious ways. Amen. All right, I'd like to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 10. We're going to be continuing our series through the book of Romans this morning as we look at Romans chapter 10, verses 14 through 21. If you're using one of those church Bibles, we're going to be on page 1005. One zero zero five. Then also, if you're using the YouVersion Bible app, everything is on there, I promise. I know we've been having some issues with that app lately, so you might have to actually type in our church name in order to find today's event. But all the scriptures and everything are in there, and of course, they're on the screen as well. All right, let's prepare our hearts to hear from the Lord as we read Romans 10. Picking up here in verse 14, Paul is speaking, and he says, How then can they call on him they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? So, faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the message about Christ. But I ask, did they not hear? Yes, they did. Their voice has gone out to the whole earth, and their words to the ends of the world. But I ask, did Israel not understand? First, Moses said, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation, and I will make you angry by a nation that lacks understanding. And Isaiah says boldly, I was found by those who were not looking for me. I revealed myself to those who are not asking for me. Verse 21 says, But to Israel, he says, All day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and defiant people. This is the word of the Lord. Will you bow your heads with me as we pray together? Dear Lord, I thank you so much that we have this opportunity to hear from your word. Lord, to grow and mature and be redeemed through the power of your gospel this morning. Lord, is We prepare to hear from you today, Lord. I pray that I would handle this text rightly. I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak through me, Lord, and we'd leave here changed, not because of anything I've said or anything I've done, Lord, but because of all that you've said and everything that you've done. I pray that you would open our minds, our hearts, our ears to hear your voice this morning and we would leave here changed because of the power of your gospel. It's in your holy and precious name, Lord, I pray. Amen. Well, there's a common misconception going around in the world today that the Bible is outdated or it's antiquated. I hear people say things like that all the time. I hear people say things like, you know, we've really grown all beyond all that. We've grown way beyond everything the Bible has to offer. Or they say things like, you know, the Bible's not really relevant to today's more inclusive culture. To those who would say the Bible isn't relevant today, my question is this. Have you read Romans 10? Have you read Romans 10? Have you read the Bible? Having read the Bible, I would contend that God's word is just as relevant today. It's just as significant today. It's just as life-changing today as it was when it was written Now that being said, before we dive into today's text, I'd like to share a little background information with you this morning. I believe it would be beneficial for us if we were to kind of step back and see the bigger picture that Paul is painting here in Romans 10 before we focus on just these few verses. I don't know how many of you have been with us as we've been walking through the book of Romans, or maybe you've been with us, but you haven't really been with us. If you've been distracted on Sunday mornings, or if you've missed any of the past couple of sermons, I'd encourage you to go back and and listen to those online or, or watch them on YouTube so you can get a better understanding of the argument that Paul is building up to here. If you've been reading along with us and you've been engaging in Pastor Brian's sermons, or if you're one of those people that's been reading ahead to see what's happening, then you've probably already seen how Romans 9, 10, and 11 are all woven together and connected to one another. We say all the time that the Bible has this overarching thread throughout, that the entire thing has one theme and one message. And here specifically in our text today, Paul is dealing with the heart of the gospel and with Israel's rejection, or their denial rather, of Christ. If you were to sit down and you were to read chapters 9, 10, and 11 of Romans in one sitting you would probably see that overarching theme of Israel's defiance and their disobedience and how Paul is really addressing this issue head on. Our friend Paul here has kind of found himself as a lone ranger, if you will. He's in a town of super religious people who think they know everything and they believe they have superior theology to Paul simply because they're part of the majority And they basically get to control everything that goes on around town. However, as we examine things together this morning, we're going to see that being in the majority does not always mean that you're right. In fact, we're going to see how the Israelites have not only denied Christ, but they have missed the gospel completely. Let's dig into our text now and see how Paul addresses the Israelites. When we read our text here in Romans 10, I don't know if you've picked up on this yet or not this morning, but it appears to me that Paul is literally beating his head against his writing desk as he pens out his frustrations with the saints in Rome. Or like many Bible scholars, if you believe that Paul dictated all his letters, then maybe he's beating his head against the wall and he's flailing his arms as he just rants and raves over how frustrated he is. With the Israelites. Let's read our text together again this morning, and I'll show you exactly what I'm talking about. Paul says here in verse 14, How? How then can they call on him that they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? How can they preach unless they are sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? So, faith. Faith comes from what is heard. And what is heard comes through the message about Christ. But I ask, did they not hear? Oh Yes, they did. Their voice has gone out to the whole earth, and their words to the ends of the world. But I ask you this: Did Israel not understand? <laughs> first, first. Moses said, "I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation." And I will make you angry by a nation that lacks understanding. And Isaiah. Isaiah says boldly, I was found by those who were not even looking for me. I revealed myself to those who were not asking for me. (coughs) But to Israel, he says, all day long, I have held out my hands to a disobedient and defiant people. Can you hear the, don't even get me started in Paul's voice here? In verses 14 through 21, Paul is basically saying, you really don't get it. Paul is calling the Israelites out. They are giving him every excuse in the book as to why they don't or why they haven't believed in the gospel. Last week, we saw how Paul beautifully laid out the gospel in verses 9 through 13, in which he reminds the Israelites that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Period. Now, today, Paul is explaining to the Israelites how everyone has had the opportunity to hear the gospel, And that no one has a valid excuse to reject God. Any parent sitting here today, I'm sure, can relate to Paul's frustrations. Any parent of a child or anyone who has worked in a supervisory role at their job and had to parent other people's children have heard every excuse in the book as to why something wasn't done or it couldn't be done, or it just simply was not possible. Paul here is no stranger to excuses either. So, before the Israelites even attempt to clap back with all the excuses as to why they haven't believed in the gospel, Paul is going to address any and every excuse, and he starts off by going backwards. Let me explain what I mean. In verses 14 through 17, Paul is reverse engineering how the gospel is proclaimed in order to help drive home his point that the gospel has in fact been proclaimed into all of the earth, which means the Israelites have no excuse to not have repented and believed in Jesus. I'd like us to look at those three verses again. I know we've read it a couple of times, but I really want us to get it. Let's look at verses 14 through 17 again. Paul says, how then can they call on him they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of of those who bring good news. But not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? So, faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the message about Christ. Paul is outlining the chain of events that takes place between faith and belief. As I already mentioned, we saw last week in verse 13 how Paul reminds his readers that Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Then, starting in verse 14 here, we see that you can't call on God unless you believe in God. And you can't believe in God unless you've heard about God. And you can't hear about God without the preacher. And you can't have a preacher unless they are sent. And the preachers, they have been sent. Now, before we move on, I want you to stop and notice something here this morning. The point that Paul is making here is not that we need to send believers out into the world to proclaim the gospel and bring people to repentance. Although we should do that, and we are, in fact, commanded to do that. There are several verses in the Bible that speak to that very issue. But Paul here is making the point that the gospel has in fact already gone out. It's been proclaimed to all the earth. Let's not get up ahead of ourselves and become distracted by what we think these opening verses mean and miss the point that Paul is actually making here. Paul is proactively building a case against the Israelites. Many, many excuses. Paul is overcoming the Israelites' objections. You can almost picture what their objections are just by carefully reading through the text and thinking about what's going on right here. I can hear the Israelites say something like, but Paul, we didn't hear the gospel being proclaimed. Really? You haven't heard the gospel? You haven't heard about Jesus? It's been 25 years since Pentecost, and you haven't heard one single word about Jesus Christ? Oh, well, sure, yeah. I mean, we've heard, yeah, we've heard of Jesus. We just didn't really understand what that all was about. We've heard of Jesus, sure, but who was he exactly? Paul's not having it. This goes back to our example of parents and their children. Let me explain. How can our children clean their room unless they know it's dirty? how can they even know that their room is dirty unless their dad tells them? How can their dad tell them their room is dirty unless mom sees that it's dirty and goes and tells dad? And how can mom see that their room is dirty and tell dad that they need to clean it up unless mom is already in the process of switching the laundry and putting things away that the kids were supposed to help with in the first place? Hypothetically. Do you see what is happening here? There is this whole cycle of events that has taken place that has led up to the gospel being proclaimed to the Jews, to the Greeks, to the Gentiles, and to the whole earth. And before they even start to throw out the excuse, we didn't hear the gospel. Paul says in verse 18, Oh, yes, you did. Then he quotes Psalm 19.4 which says the voice has gone out to the whole earth and their words to the ends of the world. The gospel has been proclaimed to the ends of the earth. And here Paul quotes Psalm 19 to prove his point. But not just that, in these seven verses, Paul references the Old Testament seven times in an effort to show that the conditions laid out in verses 14 through 17 have been satisfied For the Israelites. Then. Before the Israelites try to come back and say. Well. Maybe we heard it. But we just didn't understand it. Paul says you did. You did. And he outlines in verses 19 through 21. How before Paul and the apostles came on the scene. The Israelites had Moses. And the prophets and all of Scripture, which proclaims the gospel of Jesus Christ. Throughout Romans chapters 9 through 11, Paul quotes the Old Testament over and over and over and over and over again in order to drive home the point that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, that he is the one that was foretold, and that he is, in fact, the fulfillment of prophecy. The gospel has gone out. It's been proclaimed into all the world, not just by Paul and the apostles, but by Moses and by the prophets. As Pastor Brian mentioned just last week, the gospel has been the same since creation. It has never changed. Nothing has changed. The gospel has been proclaimed, and the Jews have heard it. They've listened, and they've understood it. It's not like the Israelites were sitting there trying to decipher what Paul was saying through a time-delayed transmitter who was speaking in an earpiece out in the lobby of the temple by one of the scribes. The Israelites have heard the gospel and they've understood it. The reason for rejecting the gospel is not due to a lack of knowledge or a lack of understanding. That isn't the problem. The problem is they simply don't believe it. They don't believe it. They don't believe Jesus is who he said he is. They don't believe Paul. They don't believe the apostles. They didn't believe Moses, and they don't believe the prophets. Rather than believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, they reject it. Israel has rejected Jesus Christ. The Israelites think they know. They think they have it all figured out, but they don't. For a group of people who pride themselves I'm being super religious. I'm doing all the things right. I'm keeping God's laws perfectly. The Bible says in reality, these people are disobedient. In verse 21, Paul refers to them as a disobedient and defiant people. Verse 21 says, but to Israel, he says, all day long, I have held out my hands to a disobedient and defiant people. In that verse, Paul is quoting the prophet Isaiah when referencing the rebellion. All day, every day, the Lord is holding out his arms to a people who are disobedient and defiant towards him. 24-7, God stands there with open arms, calling on the world to repent and to believe. And each day they reject him, they turn their backs on him, and they're disobedient towards him. As we read through these sections of Romans, we see that part of the Israelites' denial of the gospel is not just out of an attitude of rebellion or defiance, but it's in fact, in part, due to feelings of jealousy, really. In chapter 11, we're going to see that their transgressions against God has helped to bring salvation to the Gentiles, which in turn has made the Israelites jealous. They thought they had a monopoly on God's grace, But where the Jews have rejected the gospel, the Gentiles have heard it, and they believed in it, in their pride and in their sin. The Jews have turned their nose up to God. They've rejected him. All while the Gentiles hold up a hand and go, "Um, yes, that salvation? Uh, We'll take some of that, please. Yeah, some over here, too, please. Yeah, yeah, we're all good. Party of four for eternity. Thank you. (laughs) The key to gaining eternal life is being humble enough to realize you can't achieve it apart from God. Maybe like the Israelites, you've been living in disobedience towards God. You've been rejecting the gospel. Now is your opportunity to quit making excuses and surrender your life fully over to him. The best part, the best part of what Paul is sharing here is that there is still There's still hope for the Israelites, and there's still hope for us today. The Israelites have been rejecting God. They've turned their backs on Him. However, in the coming weeks, as we read through chapter 11 and examine it together, we're going to see that God, He's not done with the Israelites yet. In fact, there's still hope for them. The Israelites are going to be able to be grafted into God's kingdom and become kingdom citizens In the same way that everyone in the entire history of the world has been able to become a citizen of God's kingdom. That's by believing in him. And as we all know by now, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. So at this point, we should all have a pretty clear understanding of what's going on here in Romans 10. The Israelites have been rejecting Christ. And they've been rejecting the gospel because of various or different excuses and reasons. The Israelites have been throwing all their butts out at Paul. We would follow Jesus, but it has to be according to our laws. We would serve Jesus, but... It has to be within our customs. We would obey Jesus, but we want to be free to do the things we want to do and say the things we want to say. However, Paul's reminding the Israelites through all of this that their butts don't matter. <laughs> and they are in fact without excuse. Their butt cancels out everything that was said before it. The only reason, the only defense that they truly have for rejecting God's truth and denying the gospel is their own selfish desires and their disobedience. Of course, that was then. But, what about now? Surely, surely in today's culture where we've all outgrown the Bible and its antiquated ideas, none of us have any buts to give God. Oh, how I wish that were true. How I wish that were true. Unfortunately, I could even find myself saying excuses and giving God reasons why I can't serve Him. I say things like, Lord, I want to serve You faithfully, but my car is in the shop. Again. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're thinking to yourself, I'll follow you, God, but we need to make some adjustments here. We need to bring this gospel into the 21st century and kind of polish things a little bit. Too often in our world today, our society wants to morph or to change the gospel to accommodate their excuses. We want to add other books or other parts onto our Bibles in the same way that the Jews wanted to have rules and regulations on the salvific work that Jesus had already accomplished in hopes that it will make us feel better about ourselves. Either that, or we want to cut pages out, we want to black things out with a marker and strip parts away, we want to change the meanings of the text to make our excuses easier to digest. We want to adjust Scripture to make Jesus more palatable, more agreeable to our sinful and disobedient lifestyle. We tell ourselves things like, Jesus didn't really mean that. Or, you know, Jesus really wouldn't say something like that today. The same difficulties that Paul was dealing with in Rome are the same issues that are plaguing our world today. Rather than seeking to be a people whose lives are transformed by the power of the gospel, we are a people seeking to distort the gospel in a way that can justify or affirm our broken lifestyles. The harsh reality is it doesn't work that way. The gospel does not change. It cannot change. We can either accept it or we can reject it. And whichever one we decide to do, come judgment day, each one of us is going to be found without excuse. So praise God. Praise God that the Lord looks beyond our worthless excuses and ridiculous justifications in order to rescue us and redeem us from our sins. Paul closes out this portion of scripture by quoting the prophet Isaiah. In verses 20 through 21, Paul reminds his readers of these powerful words from the prophet Isaiah about the Lord. Romans ten twenty says, Isaiah says boldly, I was found by those who were not looking for me, and I revealed myself to those who were not asking for me. But to Israel, he says, all day long, I've held out my hands to a disobedient and to a defiant people. To the people of Israel and to the rest of the world, the Lord hands out, holds out his hands to a disobedient and to a defiant people. Each day, God graciously pours out his grace and lavishes us with his mercy unto a people who are not looking for him. And he refills himself to those who aren't even asking for him. Here's the timeless principle. Here's the timeless principle of this text. This is the biblical truth that you need to grab a hold of and hold on to today. There is no excuse. There's no excuse. We are without excuse both when it comes to accepting Christ and when it comes to following him. Now, I could end here. I could end here and we'd probably all nod our heads in agreement. Yeah, that's true. And we'd go home feeling better about ourselves, mostly because we got to lunch early. But I want to get a little more personal. Personal. I want to make sure we leave all of our excuses behind. Imagine if you will, that we're just taking off all of our excuses. We're just taking them off and, and we're throwing them on the floor. Don't worry about the mess you're making. Robbie's gonna come through after we leave and he'll vacuum it all up. <laughs> but but let's just leave those all right here, right now. I'll start. I'd love to serve you, Lord but I just don't have the time. That's a lie. (laughs) We make time for the things that we value. To say we don't have time is really a lousy excuse. I'd love to disciple my kid, Lord, but they're already in high school. It's kind of late for that. I'd love to lead a Bible study, Lord, but there are people in this church who are better at that than I am. I'd love to serve on the worship team, But I can't make it to practice on Saturday. That's my one day of the week to sleep in. I'd love to go to church, Lord. But Sundays are for fishing. They're for football. Sundays are for the boys. Examine your life. Where are you today? Are you a fully devoted follower of Christ? Have you fully surrendered your life over to him? Are you giving up your time, your talent, and your treasures to serve him and to follow Christ? How about this? Are you fully trusting in Jesus today? Or, like the Israelites living in Rome, do you have a bucket-sized list full of excuses as to why you can't serve him completely? The Jews were always making excuses not to accept Christ and to fully trust in Him. Maybe you're sitting here today and you've accepted Jesus, but you're far from following Him. Where do you find yourself making excuses and trying to justify your sinful behavior today? It's not my fault, God. He's the one that messed up. He's the one that made me this way. I wish I could change, but... I can't. So you're just going to have to accept me this way. Church, the time has come for us to leave our butts on the ground. Each one of us is without excuse this morning. None of the Israelites' excuses worked back then. None of our excuses are working today. None of our excuses are going to cut it tomorrow. Jesus Christ is the same Yesterday, today, and forever. The gospel is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The question you have to answer this morning is are you going to reject him? Or are you going to accept him? Whatever you decide, just like the Israelites in our text today, one day each one of us is going to be found without excuse. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much. I thank you that you, your redemption is bigger than our excuses. It's greater than our excuses. Lord, I thank you that you sent your son to save us, to rescue us, to redeem us from our sins. Lord, may we not be a defiant and disobedient people. We're seeking to serve ourselves rather than you. Lord, I pray that each one of us would today commit to serving you, to following you, to living for you. I pray that we just throw all of our excuses off, leave all our I'm sorry's on the ground and serve you with all of our heart, with all that we are, not just today, but for the rest of our lives. Lord, it's in your holy in your precious name I pray. Amen. (music) We'd love to have you as our guest. For more information, visit redeeminglifeutah.org.